Hello and welcome to Walk the Pot, your daily walking show where I take my podcast for a walk because I don't have a dog. Take 10 minutes out of the day to walk in nature and to pay attention to what's directly in front of you with me, Rachel Wheely, comedian, human in the world, trying to figure out how to be. I'm on my, uh, my own personal stomping ground, the SW19 cycle path this afternoon, surrounded by dandelion clocks and the fluttering leaves of all the trees around me because it is quite windy today. Welcome along. This is our second Friday episode of Series 27. I'm very excited because I have some thoughts on emails from the mothership. I have a sort of time travel musing plus walking report from Kiwi Rob in New Zealand. Uh, I have some more information on the four-day week from one of the UK's top doctors, John Ashton. And I dare say I'll be paying attention to what's directly in front of me and letting you know what I can see as I continue down this narrow track. Welcome to Walk the Pod. G'day, Rach. It's uh, Robin from New Zealand. Um, Just heard your episode today regarding time illusions and uh, things you saw on your walk and uh, had a funny coincidence. I just finished listening to a podcast with a physicist, Carlo Ravelli, um, talking from the Perimeter Institute in Canada, and he was talking about time. Um, he's a theoretical physicist, and uh, basically his book was called The Order of Time, Reality is Not What It Seems, so perhaps worth reading. Um, the most notable part of the conversation, I remember, is he said, when we understand something, we can express it in two sentences. And he said something like uh, Copernicus's work was hundreds of pages and equations to describe the motion of planets, but we can reduce it down to planets go around the sun um, under the influence of gravity. And that's pretty much all we need to say. Um, they asked him how he could express time in two sentences, and he said, we don't understand it yet. So maybe there's something in your... Uh, lunchtime discovery. Uh, This trail I'm riding is running along a river, the Waikato River, which flows from Lake Taupo in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand down to the sea. Um, But rare in this country, I think it's the only river that flows north, Um, which given where we are, maybe something to do with time, I don't know. Uh, Actually is to do with time because it changed course thanks to some volcanic activity thousands of years ago. Uh, looking at the wide, it's a wide river, I'm looking, standing in a bizarre part of the track which is cut into the ground, um, feels like I'm riding along a World War I uh, trench, it's literally that deep, but looking out through it, um, some pine trees in the foreground, then a quite a wide part of the river, um, it's actually part of a hydro dam I think further downstream, and then on the other side is a tall um, volcanic cliffs, uh, white uh, pumice mostly, probably, um, clad with conifers. And it's quite late in the afternoon here because it's autumn, the sun's sort of setting. It's got about an hour and a half to sunset. Uh, so I'm heading back to hopefully where my car is still. Good hearing from you and uh, look forward to the rest of the series. 
thank you, Robin. I love, I love the way that Kiwi Rob's walking reports have sort of evolved into their own brilliant uh, thing where it's like a reflection on a, on a latest episode and then it kind of just converts into a walking report in the most, in the most seamless way. Uh, Kiwi Rob is therefore one of my co-hosts on the podcast at this point along with Supreme Cross-Border Selector Nigel and Glithia, who often sends all kinds of brilliant content. And, of course, the mothership in Worcester, who, sorry, against the backdrops of the beautiful Malvern Hills. She keeps telling me I don't live in Worcester, Rach, it's the Malvern Hills. Uh, against the backdrop of the beautiful Malvern Hills, where she sends this report that had to be recorded inside, because it's so windy there, on email. Morning, Rach. Um, I did start recording this when I was out on my walk, but actually it was so blustery out there. I listened back to it and thought, no, no, I'll go home and re-record it. So I just wanted to um, say something about emails because I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, I can remember when I was working in the NHS, um, emails were just a problem. If you went on holiday, you'd come back and you'd have 400 and you couldn't possibly go through them all. Um, so it was a bit farcical, really. And I shared an office with our lovely consultant psychiatrist um, for the last four years I was at work. And he was at his desk one morning and he was huffing and puffing. And I said, are you OK, Bernie? He said, have you, he said, have you seen this email? I said, well, I doubt it because it's probably one just to you, was it? He said, well, they've sent me minutes of the meeting we've got in three days. And they've sent me a four page email about stuff in there. And they've also sent me a load of attachments. And I've just worked out that there's enough words in those four or five documents they've attached. It's equivalent to four or five novels and they expect me to read it by Thursday. And he said, and the trouble is that because they've sent it, they passed on in their heads all the information that they contain, expecting that, well, they don't probably think we will read it, but because they've sent it, the assumption is we will. And therefore they've told us all this information and that's the end of their responsibility. So yes, there is a real problem. Uh, Jeff won't actually uh, read an email if it's more than half a page long. Um, nowadays, I don't only get emails from people I want to hear from, so it's not a problem, but it's a real problem if you're in a position where everybody decides they ought to send you an email just so you know about them. So yes, my sympathies, and I'm not quite sure what the answer is other than corporately everybody deciding that they are going to change the way they do them. Anyway, just thought I'd pass that on for what it's worth. Lovely to hear from you today and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you, Mum. Yes, it's the worst. Uh, five day working makes absolutely no sense anymore. Email makes absolutely no sense anymore. We need to, we need to have a bit of a rethink, I think. We can all do that individually. If nothing else, we don't need to overhaul the entire way that everything works, but we can just decide not to work like that ourselves. The only thing I've found that is helpful for myself is simply to spend a bit more time sorting the email out, trying to categorise the emails into subjects so at least I have the same subject areas in the same place on my screen. Um, that's helpful. Uh, never put anything in folders, that's a complete waste of time. And um, 
Uh, what else have I worked out so far about email? Uh, oh, try to encourage everyone you work with to write sensible subject lines. That's the other thing. Um, so thank you very much for your thoughts on that and your reflections of your time working within the NHS. Now, speaking of the NHS, uh, I have some more stuff on the four-day week. This comes from a doctor who worked in the NHS for several decades, Dr John Ashton, uh, who is, in fact, uh, one of the directors, I think, of the UK Faculty for Public Health and um, reflected on the four-day week years ago. 2014, he originally wrote in The Guardian about how we must instigate a four-day week and I wanted to bring you some of the reasons why he said that was a, a good idea because I've spoken already about the, the potential environmental impact. I want to speak now about the impact on what could broadly be considered mental health from John Ashton. Um, now, he, he makes several points that a four-day week without a loss of pay could reduce sickness absence because I think we've covered already that one in four sick days in the UK is due to uh, workload, what could be broadly called stress. Um, it could improve morale. And that, that in turn, now this is an interesting and completely intangible thing, would improve the quality of what people are doing when they are working. Now the idea that happier, more rested workers produce better work is one which I think the late capitalist society that we live in right now cannot see clearly, but I'm absolutely convinced that that's right. Uh, Ashton also highlighted the benefits of a shorter week uh, would have on family life, creating more time for people to participate in voluntary activities for the betterment of their local communities. Now, he also had some stuff to say about what the effect would be on uh, the labour problem that we have in terms of labour shortages in the UK. All kinds of sectors have labour shortages, uh, said Ashton in 2014, a situation which I think has probably only got worse, um, including the NHS, putting pressure on employees to deal with increasingly unsustainable workloads. And Ashton argues that the NHS should adopt a four-day week to address the burnout that is seeing health service quit health service staff quit or retire early. I think the four-day week will come over the next 10 years and if the NHS doesn't embrace it, the labour shortages will become even worse, he told the big issue. He was basically making the point that uh, half of our workforce is overworked and, and stressed out and burnt out and, the other, and, and then there's another sector of people who cannot find work and that surely there is a way to rectify this. Now, I would argue that the bit he's missing there is where does the money come from to, uh, to cover the, short, the, the sort of employing of unemployed people and the therefore letting other people rest. You know, that, that's got to be... That money has got to be found. But then if you think about it, if you gave everybody an extra day off a week they'd probably go and spend money, wouldn't they? Because they'd think to themselves, right, well, I'm going to do, a, do a, a class on that on that final day of the week or I'm going to go and, I don't know, book a Airbnb for the weekend, the long weekend that is every weekend. Or, you know, I think potentially um, the economics of it would work out in the end. <laughs> there we go. Just broadly solving all of economics there with a sort of general statement but it, it'll work out won't it of course it will of course it will 
what can I see directly in front of me? Well, uh, I'm just about to walk under the railway bridge. It's, it's the most beautiful day in the world. I failed to mention that earlier. Um, people walking around in shorts with their sunglasses on today. Everyone looks very happy. All the cars look particularly shiny and beautiful today. I've already admired a VW van and a Mini Cooper, which was red with black stripes. As I was crossing the road, I thought, those cars look super attractive. And then I realised it's because it's sunny. It's got nothing to do with the cars at all. Um, so, lots and lots of lovely things. I, I have had, very excitingly, I know people are, you know, they're, they're following my bird feeder exploits carefully. Very, very exciting today because I had a robin on the bird feeder today. Now, if you, if you know me at all, you'll know that robins are the best birds. And that I've had uh, the coal tit and the blue tit as well as what I'm no longer allowed to call the dirty great pigeon. Child one told me off for saying a dirty great pigeon. I referred to the pigeon as a dirty great pigeon when child one was in the flat uh, yesterday, I think, or was it the night before? And he said it was bird racism. So not allowed to call it a dirty great pigeon anymore, even though I have three times in this episode. So let's call it the pigeon. Um, but anyway, so a robin poddies. And that's the best possible outcome for a bird feeder, if you ask me, having a visiting robin. I've also discovered that what the birds do is um, the little tiny ones, the blue tits, they come, they take a piece of bird food. And and because my bird feeders are attached to the window, as you'll know, if you're in the Lunchtime Legends, uh, walk the pod walking club and see my lens clips from behind the scenes on the podcast, you'll have seen my bird feeders. I know that they're kind of clear perspex bird feeders on a glass window. The birds feel very vulnerable and exposed when they're feeding from them. So the little tiny birds take the bird food out of the bird feeders, fly off to a nearby bush and eat the bird food there where they feel safer. So it's quite interesting watching them. I can see the undersides of all the leaves today because the wind has blown them over and that's always it's always quite a joyful joyful sight there's a tiny tot on a little bike over there who's just fallen down parent rushing over to help her and I think I can hear a dog in the background Thank you for walking with me this week, dear poddies. It's been an absolute delight to walk the cycle path with you in most, mostly sunshine this week. There was a bit of rain, but mostly sunshine. Hugely appreciate all your contributions to the show. Several people got in touch to say, it's a robin, Rach, it's a robin. And then to go, oh, you worked it out in the end that it was a robin when I was looking at that bird in the episode yesterday and trying to work out what it was. Thank you to everyone who got in touch to tell me. I think I wonder whether I will start to identify robins now because but I can't tell the difference between robins and blackbirds currently so I'm working on that uh, every Friday I offer you a formal invitation to join the walk the pod walking club uh, this is my offering to you for uh, getting involved in the best club you'll ever join clearly um, and uh, if you'd like to join the 13 lunchtime legends that there currently are on the Discord server, I would be absolutely delighted to have you along. 
the way we live and work can be uh, dispiriting, disempowering, downright depressing, but it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, On Walk the Pod, I report on potential solutions to work-life challenges and then do so aim to boost your well-being and show that everyone's actions can make a difference. We start with a daily walk at lunchtime for just 10 minutes. If you believe in what I'm doing and want to amplify it, please support the show with a monthly donation and become a Walk the Pod lunchtime legend. Go to rachelwheelieisfunny.com. That's my Patreon page, and that is a page which allows you to support the show. And if it's too complicated to join Patreon, simply click on the link in the show notes, which says become a subscriber and subscribe to Walk the Pod for $4.99 a month. Basically, Poddies, if you'd buy me a drink when you saw me uh, support the show with a donation once a month, which basically says, thanks for the good work, Rach, keep it up. Um, And I will continue to bring you work-life balance ideas. I've just started doing something which I want to talk to you about in Series 28. I'm really keen to go into sleep in, in some detail in Series 28. So I'll tell you more about that as I have it. This this series, we're talking about the four-day work week, and it's far from coming in as a blanket thing across the UK, but I have every hope that maybe in the next 10 years we might see it as standard across the board. would be pretty awesome. Oh, there's a dragonfly. I don't think that's my first dragonfly of the season. don't think I've seen one of those this year before. Uh, thank you for walking with me. Take care of your beautiful mind yourselves and each other and I will be back with episode 11 on Monday.